Let me start off with a couple of statements. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to, to, to digress a little bit to, to set up what I believe is necessary for you to understand what it is I'm saying, okay? The first thing is to succeed in anything, particularly in your spiritual walk. But you can apply that to everything in your life. To succeed in anything, you need to have clarity in this following two things. Clarity. Number one is a goal. You need to see what it looks like when you get there. Because if you don't see what it looks like when you get there, then you would never know if you've arrived at anything even if you get there. So the first thing is you need to have a clarity in what you want, a goal, a goal for your life that will be long-term. You say, in my life, in this lifetime, I want to, be, have to achieve this. And then a short-term goal is at the end of the year, I want to see this. Now, we talk about spiritual progress, right? Some of you need to have to set a spiritual goal. That at the end of the year, I want to have already prayed for 20 people for healing. Some of you have never prayed for people to get healed ever. But this year set a spiritual goal that I will be in the presence of God at the least 15 minutes a day. I will dedicate 15 minutes a day of my life to be in the presence of God. Reading His Word and speaking to Him, worshiping Him. That's another spiritual goal. Now you're going to struggle along the way, you know. You're going to succeed the first week and then you drop off. And then, but the, at the end of the year, you want to see that that spiritual goal is achieved. Or that by the end of this year, I want to be involved in this or this. I want to be able to lead a small group. I want to be able to have influence over people's lives. If you don't have a spiritual goal, you will never know if you've ever progressed. Are you here this morning? So you need to set spiritual goals. That's one of the things that many believers don't have. They don't have spiritual goals. They just go along, get along, and just flow like a wind. They go to church every Sunday, week after week, have no purpose and no goal. So you need to have goal, clarity of goal, specify it, write it down if you have to. Long-term goal and the short-term goal that would be at the end of the year, what it is that you want to achieve. It's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul says, I press towards the goal or the mark for the prize of the outward call of God in Christ Jesus. He has to press towards a goal and a mark. Now, if, if you don't have a mark and a goal, how, how are you going to press? There is no incentive for you to even go forward because you don't even know what the direction of forward is. So if you have a goal, then you can press towards it. You can just, just, just struggle through towards it and, and just... Fight every resistance that, that is in your way so that you can press towards the marks, okay? So that's number one, be clarity of goal. Number two is that you need to know and have tremendous clarity of the way to the goal. So it's one thing to have the goal, but if you don't have the way to how to get there, then, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a goal, it, it's useless. Having a goal without the way or clarity of the way to get there or, or, or having the way to get there without a goal is like having a vehicle without the wheels and vice versa. So you need both. People say, you know, I'm going to set an amazing lofty goals. But if they don't know how to get there, those goals are just a pipe dream. Are you here this morning? 
So if you say, okay, I want to set a goal that I will be able to pray and see 20 people get healed by the end of the year, you know, then you need to set a path. You need to know what the path is. It's to read the Word of God, get some teaching about healings, how people get healed. You know, when we offer healing seminars, go and sign up and say, okay, I want to learn how it is I can pray for people. You know, what kind of, what kind of success rates other people are having. You know, I want to go and be plugged into a small group that I can ask questions. I can have a discussion so that I can grow to my goals. I can succeed. So, you know, you need to discover what the ways are. Not only spiritually, but every aspect of your life. Financial, relationship, etc. Ministry and so forth. So you, number one, you have to have a goal. A clarity of goal. Number two, it's the clarity of the way towards that goal. Now, I'm going to digress a little bit. I'm going to share with you the fallacies of, uh, uh, within the church. And, um, and uh, I, I want to talk about that a little bit, but I, I, I want to make it very clear what it is I'm trying to say. So let me say this first, then I'll talk about the fallacy, okay? Now, faith is essential for Christian living. Faith in God is absolutely critical in our Christian living. Not just on spiritual matters, but in all aspects of our life. Now, it is the narrative of the world and the intention of the devil to cause you and I to despise our faith or devalue the importance of faith in God, faith in Christ, faith in all His redemptive works. It will cause us to walk without faith. Faith in God, faith in Christ, faith in all His redemptive works is or are, is the cornerstone of good living, great living, and abundant living. If you don't have faith, you can have all the money in the world, you will not experience an abundant living and good living. Without faith in God, watch this, life is extremely meaningless. We exist like a wind, and there is no need to do anything or pursue any goal because, hey, we just exist today and disappear tomorrow. That is a hopeless life. It is a hopeless life to live with, without faith. Because it's, if you don't have faith, then it's devoid, your life is devoid of meaning and therefore it's devoid of purpose. That's what the devil has been wanting you and I, humanity in general, to feel. That is to be hopeless in our walk. Then we, we, we lose our restraint. Then we become like wild animal and have a life that's absolutely meaningless. This, you know, atheist, atheist has a fundamental flaw in their belief system, atheism itself. Because atheism, that is, to believe in no God, atheism gives no hope, gives no meaning, and gives no purpose in living. The theory of atheists destroys good living, abundant living that Jesus had promised, and atheists does, atheism does not promise anything. They promise you nothing. So believing in God is absolutely important. Otherwise, your faith, your walk is actually meaningless. Your living is actually meaningless. Now, how many of you recall this fellow, some of you keep, keep tab on the news, uh, this rich person, the 12th richest person in Canada, Barry Sherman. How many remember that? He just committed, or I don't know what he did, but he, he died. He was discovered, he and his wife, 
you know, they both discovered, they were discovered by the real estate agent of the house that they were going to sell, that they were both hung, they, they died, right? You remember this fellow? He, he's worth $4.2 billion, 12th richest man in this country. Now, I don't know if you know that, but some of you may have read that. About 10 years ago, when he was having a vacation in Tunisia, he wrote a memoir that was never published. And now people just discovered it, and they start to read about what he wrote. Now, listen to this. This is a philanthropist of uh, our city. He was fam- he's famous. He's well-known. He's very successful. He got lots of money. He's very connected. He contributes to a lot of causes, good causes. He gives a lot of money to the causes in Israel for a lot of Jewish people. Like, he is very connected. Even a personal friend of our prime minister, you know, very connected, very successful. But in his memoir, he said this. Life is absolutely meaningless. The reason is because though he is Jewish, he had given up the idea about God. Now, I understand that because he said in his memoir he despised organized religion. So do we. But if you despise organized religion, it's fine. Don't despise God. Don't despise the fact that Jesus is here to give you eternal life. Don't despise the divine. Despise man's organization, but don't despise God. But he, because a lot of people are confused between God and organized religion. They think organized religion is God, but they are not. People who are, who, are, who are stuck in organized religion, they never ask themselves the tough questions. Am I progressing in life? Am I getting the answers? Am I, am I moving on in life? Am I making changes? What is the purpose? What is the reason? You know, yesterday I was sharing with a brother, you know, he, he, he was at my home and, and we were talking about, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 people who are very technical, you know, those, those computer scientists, those, a lot of the, the very technical people, they're usually atheists. I don't know if you know that. Techies, you know, into computers and stuff. They're usually atheists. And uh, this atheist, if you notice, if you pay attention, atheists in general, not just techies, atheists in general, they are very attracted to the ideas of aliens, outer space, futuristic stuff. Have you noticed that? Now, some of us more sophisticated, we like romance, you know, we like, you know, political movies, whatever, right? But atheists, you know, they're very attracted to this idea of this futuristic thing because you know why? Intrinsically, we are built to know that we are more than ourselves. We need to connect to the bigger things out there. Now, if you deny God, you absolutely need aliens to exist. Think about that. If you deny God, you have to, you, you know, they've never proven, not even once, aliens exist. Do you realize that? You sit there so quiet. There has not been one single proof of an existence of aliens. I'm not saying there isn't. I'm just saying there is no proof. But yet all this atheists are hitting, just tripping over themselves, believing and trying to believe that there is some kind of alien form out there. They don't believe in God, but they will have a Jedi temple. Come on. I don't know if you know there are Jedi religion out there. 
There is religion called the Scientology that believe aliens give birth to us. So they don't believe in God, but they absolutely need to believe in aliens. Why? Because every single one of us, doesn't matter what you claim, you need to connect to something much bigger. May I suggest to you this, is that there's more proof that God exists than alien exists. So give it a rest on aliens. Just believe in God. He will change your life. He will transform your life. He will cause you to change from glory to glory. Believe in God. Don't worry about the aliens. Now, I say this to let you know. I say all this to let you know that I believe strongly about faith. I believe strongly about faith to heal. I believe strongly about victory in Christ Jesus. I believe strongly to become overcomer in this world. I believe strongly in miracles and supernatural miracles in every small things in our lives to the big things of my life. I absolutely are convinced. And that's why I give. That's why I tithe. That's why I obey the Lord. Because I believe in miracles. I believe in the supernatural blessings of God. I believe in the supernatural intervention of God in every area of my life. I am a faith person. Are you a faith person? All right. Now, now that we've established that, let me say this. Listen to this. For those of us who walk in faith, especially those of us who had been greatly influenced by the word of faith, the prophetic, the charismatic movements, I'm one of them. There is, listen to this very carefully now. It will change your life. There is often this danger of Throwing away our responsibility, our prudence, our diligence, and discipline in the name of faith. Let me give you an example. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 14, it says, Diligent hands bring wealth. Now, faith. For many people, unfortunately, it's just a guise for a toxic mixture, mixture of presumptions, fantasies, and irresponsibilities. Now, remember, I'm a faith guy now, right? So I'm talking to us. Now, due to our inclination to believe in the supernatural, abrupt intervention of God in all areas of our life, and it's a right Spiritual inclination, by the way. Some of us, however, have somehow translated that inclination into chasing some kind of holy grail or magic bullet for every situation in our lives. So instead of spending time cultivating necessary and good disciplines and working with great diligence outlined in the Word of God, we spend a lot of our energy, if not all our energy, Chasing for that silver bullet, for that magic solution, for that holy grails, as it were, for everything in our life. Consequently, we spend all our energy and time chasing this special holy grail or silver bullet instead of, listen, hearing from God outside of our emotion and follow and obey His instructions that He laid out in the Bible with great discipline especially instructions that are already written in His Word. Let me give you one example in that example. Proverbs 13 verse 11 says this, Wealth 
from get-rich-quick scheme, I'm reading from NLT, okay, disappears. The second part is why I want you to pay attention, but whoever gathers little by little, everybody say little by little. Say it again, little by little. Little by little, day by day, you remember that? Little by little will increase it. Watch this. Statistically, do you realize that those get-rich-quick scheme, or scams I call them, sorry, have the most buy-in among Christians, especially faith Christians. Do you realize that the multi-level marketing organizations out there, from what I'm not going to mention name, they actually are intentionally targeting Christians in churches. Do you know that many financial scams, and I have faced a number of them, have the most buy-in among believers and even church leaders? Why? Because they promise sudden, quick return with no patience on your part. It's just the miracle of God. Somehow this is what has been talked about in the Bible, that you will inherit the wealth of the nation. They take the, the Word of God and they try to apply to their own schemes. And we Christians, we don't use our brain and we go gaga over it. And we trip ourselves all over it and get hurt. You know, a number of years ago, I knew a pastor. Pastor, a very large church in his denomination. It's a very prominent denomination. You know, when he took over the church, they had over a thousand people. I can't even tell you it's actually in the West End. <laughs> had over a thousand people, maybe even two thousand. When he took over, the church had assets over millions of dollars. The properties, money in the bank, this sort of thing. But over time, he was making decisions based on emotion, all the way until the church had just a few hundred thousand dollars left. With a few hundred thousand dollars left, he was introduced to a lady from Florida. I can give you that much detail because it's true. This lady promised of an amazing investment opportunity for the Christians. They always do that, don't they? And so this pastor, to make a long story short, took all the remaining hundreds of thousands of dollars and gave it to this lady. Well, needless to say, he never seen the money again. So the church went bankrupt. They ended up meeting in a school. Well, he, of course, he quit. And then somebody else took over. I know the person who took over too. And eventually the church got shut down. Oh, Christians, we are so easily manipulated because of our inclination for supernatural abrupt success. But the Word of God says, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Little by little, it will increase. We don't like the word little by little. It's too slow. 
We need it to happen right now. I was reading this um, blog about this young man when he was 16 years old. He decided, 16, that would be Kristen's age. He decided to start investing. By the time he graduated from university, he already had 200000 on hand. That would be 23 years old, two, three years old. He saved little by little, put away $100 a month. He started by doing that. And then he learned how to invest and slowly, don't not invest in those, you know, high-tech company, which I used to, and then I got burned, but that's another story to tell in the financial forum. By the way, if you're interested, talk to me. I want to see how many people are interested. If, you're interested, if we have like a dozen people, I'll do it, maybe in my house. You know, we sit down together and talk about how to manage wealth, okay? But anyway, so he, he, um, he, he by the time he graduated from university, he had $200,000 in his bank. And uh, by the time he reached 35, he was worth a million dollars. Now, you would like that, wouldn't you? But he had a government job that pays $52,000 a year. And his wife doesn't work. Now, how did you figure that? You see, it's little by little. It's not how much you make. It's how well you manage. I say it all the time. But we Christians, as faith people, we like this amazing windfall that will come from heaven. I remember Brother Kenneth Hagin used to say this. God can't send you money because he's not doing things illegal. He does, he's not a criminal. The only place that can print the United States cash is in the United States, not in heaven. You didn't get the joke. But he basically said, he basically said, some of you praying for money, but God has a way to bless you. You got to follow his word. You know, the other day, uh, I mean, not, not a number of years ago, I had a call from a very good friend of mine. He, um, he you, know, we grew, you know, we came from the same denomination, and, and he told me he had this amazing investment opportunity. By then, I already heard that opportunity t- uh, two other times. And so he came, and he, he took me out for lunch, you know. If they want to sell you something, they should pay for it, right? So they took me out for lunch, you know, I ordered the best... Ling- seafood linguine there is in the, in the restaurant and enjoy myself. But I already knew the answer. You say, that's, that's not cool, but whatever. So anyways, and we sat down, and this is the sales pitch, right? And this is a typical sales pitch from those people. Number one, they'll tell you that it is an amazing blessing of God. And then they'll tell you that God has given this amazing revelation to this brother, and that somehow, he, if you put money in there, they'll promise you some ridiculous return. 10, 20% return. You know, I'll tell you this. Normal return, at best, is 6%. If anybody promised more than that, you run away from it. But anyways, so this guy said, you know, you can have compounded, you know, return of 24%. That sounds really good. And... Um, you know, and then, and then so I asked him the question. I said, number one, where is the prospectus? That's what you want to ask. What that is is that a company legal financial statements that tell you what this guy has been doing. And he said, oh, we don't have that. We just go with faith. 
And he said this, you know, a lot of the famous preachers, and he named them all, they're all in it. And that's another red flag, because preachers are not good investors. Because we're not called to invest. We're called to preach the gospel, so stay away. Stay away from the land that does not belong to you. Come on. Shandai. And they name all this name, and I got goosebumps. That's the wrong signal. So, and then the last pitch, and it's so typical. The profits of this company goes to different ministries. I said to him, brother, I heard this pitch the third time. This is the third time. But may I tell you something? Run away from this opportunity. He said, you don't know what you're talking about. See, they were requiring a minimum of 150000 investment. They're going for the rich guys, right? I said, run away from it. Well, anyways, a few months later, they were on the news. People went to jail for that. They were doing things illegal. It's a scam. You know, the other day, I, I was just introduced another investment opportunity. The fellow gave me a link to this website with all the YouTube videos about this opportunity, about this amazing technology called some, some I don't know, some green technology or whatever. And so I look at all the videos and this guy promised the world and then his sales pitch would be all the proceeds will go to help build churches and hospitals. See, the problem with that kind of sales pitch is, number one, if you need to use ministry and, and try to manipulate my emotion because of my passion for ministry, if you need to use that as a means to sell your investment, then your investment is not worth the paper that it's written on. Number two, if I want to give into the kingdom, I will give it generously without expecting any return, not in the guise of investment. That's not true giving. So don't play that game with me. Are you here this morning? I'm, 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 just, I'm just hammering some nails in people's coffin these days. You be careful. Do not get involved in those get-rich-quick scheme. I say all this to make this point. To be successful in anything in life, brothers and sisters, you and I need clarity on number one, what the goal is, and number two, how to get there. Not some secret scheme and scam or whatever. You need to know the path to whatever they promise. You need to know that. Good invest. I'm, I'm using investment because that's the easiest way to understand, at least for me, how spiritual matter works in all things. There's no silver bullet. And, you know, I, I'll tell you this. If you're faithful in carrying out the Word of God, yes, He's faithful to bless you. You know, over time, my wife and I have been very diligent to the point of being called cheap. We call it frugality. And every moment of our life, you know, we take, we take, let, let me give you one example. Do I have time? Okay, I have five minutes. I'm going to have to break this into two parts. So come back next week for the second part. You know, my, when, my, you know when I met my wife, I was dead broke. I came from a poor family, as you know. You know my poor stories, yeah? Holes in my shoes, you know, the whole thing, walking in the snow, going to church, you know? I came from a poor background. But when I fell in love with, with Juana, I knew I was going to marry her, 
But I knew I need to do something. She's not going to marry a guy that has nothing, right? Hello, guys. Let, let me tell you, girls, girls, love itself does not feed. Like my mother used to say, love is great for a momentarily emo, uh, uh, emotional experience, but love doesn't feed. You can say, oh, I love you by all kinds of flowers. Honey, man, be practical. Are those flowers going to buy you food on the table? Now, I'm not saying don't be romantic. I, you know, I need to learn in that department to, you know, be just romantic. And I'm just, you know, like I'm learning. <laughs> Let's just leave it right there. Let's not go any <laughs> But, you know, I came from a very poor background and I just graduated from university, and in fact, I graduated from university a few years uh, already, but I was bumping around doing different things, and, and finally I met her, and, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me about certain things I need to do, and this is what I did. I sold all my furniture, sold everything, and I got rid of my, my condo. I was living in the condo, living the life, hallelujah, glory to God, paying rents, thank you, Jesus, expensing all the dollars I have in my bank account, you know. I sold everything. I went back home to live with mommy. Somebody just laughed. And mommy did not have a palace. There's a little small apartment. You know that apartment was on top of a pizza joint. In that apartment, they, they didn't have any AC. So in the summer when the oven is going, whoo, you feel like you want one of those pizzas, you know. So, but I had to do something. So I decided I was deep in debt, credit cards, whatever. So I needed to do something. So I make a drastic decision. I continued to tithe faithfully. I continued to believe in the supernatural intervention of God. But I started with diligence. I followed the Word of God. Every dollar I found, every time I get paid, after paying my tithes and giving, Man, I just send them into saving. I tell you, I missed out a lot of great opportunities to do have fun. You know, my sisters back then, they were going to Florida, send us pictures about having a picture with Star Trek, whatever thing. And, and I was looking, I said to myself, oh, woe is me, you know, I don't have any fun. But you know, I, I knew I was going to marry, I, I, I saw, this is what I calculated. I got to have to end this soon, so you have to come back for part two. That's the more important part, but let's just, Let's just finish with this story. So I, I calculated I need X amount of dollars to, number one, buy a decent ring, engagement ring with a decent diamond on it. Yeah. <laughs> then I also need money to have a honeymoon, not an expensive one, go to Punta Cana or whatever, right? Just, just enough. Then I need a, some money to buy people food to come to my wedding. That's called wedding banquet, hello. For Christian, it's great because we say we don't drink alcohol. That saves like 90% of the money. Hallelujah. You understand that? Right? That's great. So I need X amount of dollars. And then I need a down payment to have a home because Juana, 
I don't think she wants to marry a guy that lives, you know, on rent, right? So I just want to, you know, listen to me, guys. Your wife needs to feel secure. You need to make them feel secure. So I need to make sure she feels safe when she marries me. It's awfully quiet among the boys. We're talking about progress, right? By the end of 2018, are you here? So I save money diligently. I do my tithes. I give. I believe in supernatural intervention, but I did not neglect prudence and diligence, the Bible says. And little by little, everybody say little by little. Little by little. So wedding day is finally arrived. I was able to do all that with my savings. So it was three years planning, right? So I met her, and I go, okay, I need to go out with her for two years to find out who she was. And then I will propose, and I have one year to get ready. So that will be three years. So I started planning out. Hmm, Shandai. <laughs> so when we got married, I have all that I needed. I missed out. I skipped out all the going out opportunity, going to eat. You know, after church, everybody goes to eat, right? So I go to home to mama's cooking. Mommy, I love my mommy. She's, she have chicken legs for me, you know, praise God. And uh, anyways, let's just leave it there, hallelujah. So, you know, I, but you know, the amazing thing is God is faithful to his word. As I'm diligent in my part, we got surprises, infusion of cash from out of nowhere. God is faithful to His Word. That's why I give. That's why I tithe. But I do not neglect my diligence and prudence on my part. But if I'm just waiting for that, what that, what that, for that, for that, for that surprise, by the time the surprise show up, I might need to use it to pay off my debt that I've been recklessly um, uh, accumulating. But there has to be a discipline. Christians, I know God has given us a lot of amazing promises. I know that there, there are promises in the Word of God to bless us. I believe that. I have lived it and enjoyed it. There are so many surprises along the way as we continue faithfully saving and giving away. And, and uh, you know, I, I trust the Lord. Diligence and prudence cannot be outside our Christian walk with the Lord, especially for those who walk in faith. Don't let that inclination that you have translate into something that is always looking for some holy grail or some magic bullet to solve your problem. Study the Word of God with great diligence. Come every Sunday, learn about the Word of God, and don't just, 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 just tickle your ears with good words, but follow everything that you hear from the Lord, and you will achieve great victories in your spiritual walk with the Lord, achieve great victory in every aspect of your life, achieve great, uh, great victories in your finances, in your relationship. Just follow and obey the Word of God. Don't just go, oh, it was a great sermon. Great sermon that does nothing to us. But great sermons that bring fruits in our life is what we need to pursue. Can I hear an Amen. Did you learn something this morning? Okay, let's all stand. We're going to close.